Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Okay, Lisa, we love this topic of when it comes to challenges and conflicts in relationships, do you default to fight or flight? Okay, well, I think this is where our defaults well, might divide a little bit because I would tend to take flight because I... I love that peaceful, easy feeling. I don't, I don't like to run into conflict. I do when I have to, but it's not my natural thing. And you, I think, would tend to lean into going to the fight, but you would have your pink gloves on when you do it. So I think, you know, I think those are our personalities there. Okay, so I just want to clarify, because lean in, I, I don't actually pick a fight. I'm just saying. No, I I'm not saying you pick a fight, because we said when there's challenges and conflicts, you would tend to go because you want your, your conflict resolver. He was like, I want to resolve this conflict. I want to do it now. And I would go, let's just think about it for a few minutes here and kind of, you know. So, yeah, that, you're yeah. right. I have a hard time just letting, letting things just go on. I want to make sure that before we go on, we're done with, we're done with that particular conflict. But you might want to find a comfy couch to stretch out on because we do have a counselor and a doctor on our show today to talk about just that. How are you dealing with your relationship? Well, and I think it's specifically like we're going to be talking a little bit about marriage because um, we he's also, also an author. But relationships are such a... Um, a significant topic because it affects all of us, whether you're married, single, whatever, and learning just how to play in the sandbox together basically is what life is kind of all about. And so we really do need to understand this and, and, and figure this out because it does matter in every one of our worlds. But before we get too far <clears throat> and before you get too settled on that comfy couch, we want to remind you all that you're listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, our guest today, Rob Green, has been the pastor of counseling and seminary ministries at Faith Church in Indiana since 2005. And Bob wasn't always a pastor. He has a BS in engineering physics from Ohio State University and after college wrote computer programs to process credit cards. After feeling a call to the ministry, he entered seminary, eventually earning a Master's of Divinity and a Ph.D. from Baptist Bible Seminary. Uh, Bob also serves on the council board of the Biblical Counseling Coalition and has authored a number of counseling mini-books. So welcome, Dr. Green. How are you today? Thank you. Doing great. Well, I have to tell you, as soon as um, Lisa and I, well, first of all, we are very excited to have you on the show today, but as we were going through some of your credentials, and um, we we mock ourselves all the time that uh, as a couple of yahoos like us have a radio show, and God has given us a voice to be able to just share our ideas and thoughts with others. And then what's funny is that God always puts people like you 
um, with your Masters of Divinity, all of your, you know, stickers that go across your name and your PhD, um, that you make us look really good. So we just want to tell you that up front. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> He's speechless. He's like, I don't know what to about that. But we have to ask you, you have been counseling married couples for years, and I'm just going to just cut right in there. What finally prompted you? to put the pen and paper to writing this new book that you have coming out, Tying the Knot. Well, I had the privilege of working with uh, couples who were seeking to get married, and I was finding myself pulling information, chapters, resources, etc., from a lot of different places. And, you know, ultimately, as I would get to know them after the wedding was over and we were in the same church together, I would learn about, hey, what happened as they moved in? You know, there's his stuff and there's her stuff, and they're trying to all get it all coordinated. And, well, here's what happened to, like, loose-leaf chapters. It went in the circular file. And uh, they just didn't have time or space for that kind of stuff. So I really wanted something that they could have that they used as a resource during the time that they were engaged and we were working together, and then also something that they could have after they were married because, you know, sometimes when you're engaged and you're talking about an issue, you're thinking, oh, yeah, man, we got this covered. I mean, this isn't a big deal for us. I mean, we're all over this. And then after they get married and experience one of those, they're thinking, wait a minute, we talked about that sometime. What is that, what, what's that resource they were talking about? What was that passage of Scripture? I, I need to go back to that. And uh, I just wanted it to be a resource for them for the future. Mm. Well, it is um you know, there are, you, you have this kind of a fairy tale approach a lot of times to, you know, I'm getting married and you have this fairy tale wedding and you have all this, you know, so much focus is so many times on the wedding itself and the ceremony and all that's involved, which it's amazing today how much um, not only money is spent, but just the planning and the creativity into some of these weddings. Um, but you're also seeing people like going, okay, I just want to do something really simple now too. And so it's, but there's a lot of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, planning that goes into, and then the reality of life after everything kind of settles down, like you said, and it's like, okay, I, I wasn't really anticipating this. As you have been talking with couples, um, <clears throat> that have been married, you know, you know, however long, newlyweds or whatever. What are some of the challenges that you start seeing coming up that maybe they weren't expecting and they're coming to you going, okay, I didn't really expect this to happen? Well, there's challenges on all, all fronts. Sometimes there are challenges that the Lord just simply allows in their life uh, that they were not anticipating, you know, for example, and that they didn't cause. You know, for example, uh, I think many... A Christian young couples, as they get married, they think, well, you know, we can do family planning and we can have children when we're wanting to have them. And, you know, we're going to have a boy and a girl and they'll be two years apart and we're going to start three years from now. And then what happens in life is that the Lord allows things to be different than that. And in some cases, um, we've had the privilege of working with couples who experience infertility. That was totally off their radar. Or the issue of miscarriage totally, again, off their radar. And here's an opportunity where now they're going to have to face a challenge they weren't expecting. Sometimes those challenges come from uh, their own source of struggle. In other words, their own choices and their own responses. And inevitably, uh, there's going to be a very wide-ranging 
group of presentation struggles. So some may struggle with their finances or some may struggle with intimacy or some may struggle with their communication or the roles that they're playing in marriage. But ultimately, those types of struggles come down to their walk with Christ. And so I want to encourage them right from the very beginning, um, whether they're just seeking to be married or even after, if I have that opportunity, to center their relationship on Christ. And uh, that's one of the reasons uh, for the resource itself, is just to be reminded that Jesus really has to be um, our number one priority. Okay, so when you say, you know, like a Christ-centered marriage, what exactly does that mean? Because, I mean, we hear that term and we're like, we need to have our, you know, our relationship centered around Christ. But practically, what does that mean? What do you tell them? Well, I, I remind them that, um, loving the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength is the first commandment. And having a Christ-centered marriage is simply saying that I'm, as an individual and as a couple, committed to fulfilling the mission that God has called us to fulfill. Uh, things like proclaiming His greatness, First uh, Peter 2, uh, living for His glory, um, seeking to please Him and honor Him. And not just in, you know, on Sunday morning or when people are talking about the Lord, but really in every little moment of life. Uh, Paul Tripp once said that either Jesus lives in the 10,000 little moments of your life or he doesn't live in your life at all. And that's really what I'm trying to get at, that having a Christ-centered life means that it impacts how you communicate. It impacts how you do your financial resources. It impacts how you love one another. It impacts the roles and responsibilities that one has in a relationship. It impacts every single area of life. And so I'm just simply trying to help them to think about what that looks like in the daily moments of their life. Hmm. And let's, let's just say, hypothetically, that you have – I've seen a lot of, of friends um, my age – don't say my age, Lisa. I'm just saying, you know, hypothetically. I'm holding my tongue. <laughs> where they have teenagers involved. And you can, you know, you feel as though you love Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then, then you have a 14-year-old that <laughs> comes along. And you want to raise this 14-year-old one way or speak to this child one way. And then you're married to this person who might be, you know, highly just authoritative, etc., and you both love Jesus so much, and you know that, you know, you can meet in the middle, you just keep praying a, a, about this, but I, I hear what you're saying, Lisa, so many times we say, oh, you know, just do things Christ-like, but you might not even agree on those Christ-like motives of how you're, you're moving forward. And that might've been too vague, but what, what would you suggest in this situation where you feel as a one is, you know, super controlling and you need to give your, let your child have some of those just natural consequences? Yeah, we raised a pretty big topic and I need to um, always be careful and mindful of what Proverbs says and that he who gives an answer before he hears it and really understands it, it's foolishness to him. And so I, I want to be cautious about just giving really quick answers to big questions. But I'll say a few things. Um, first of all, um, it sounds like the question you're asking is, how do a husband and wife relate when they're struggling to figure out how to respond to their teenager? Mm. And I think one of the questions that each of them has to ask is, 
does our definition of Christ-centered match what Scripture says about Christ-centered? In other words, am I really governed by the truth of the Word, or am I just putting Christian language on the beliefs I already have? Now, if there's some wiggle room there, in other words, not everything is commanded, not everything is spelled out. In fact, part of the Bible is wisdom literature, and wisdom literature is designed for skillful living. That Dr. is the Green, application we're to, have to life. Take a pause right there. We have to take a quick break. I want to come back, and we're going to continue to unpack this, and because we're, we're we're holding on, we'll be right back. This is Girlfriend on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. ABC News reported that when it comes to certain ailments, exercise can be as effective as drugs to cure the problem. They state that exercise is the best medicine available, yet few doctors are going to write you a prescription for a daily 30-minute jog. Regular exercise has proven to treat anxiety by releasing endorphins and giving you a calming effect. Studies show it improves the quality of your sleep and can solve sleep problems. Exercise reduces the pain caused by osteoarthritis by reducing inflammation and getting the joints moving and by making them stronger. The list of exercise cures goes on and on. So next time you look to medications or drugs to cure your ailments, check out exercise first. It may be the remedy you are looking for. For the Fitness Minute... I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. is our special guest, Dr. Rob Green, a pastor and veteran premarital counselor who provides young couples with a blueprint to follow in his new book, Tying the Knot, A Premarital Guide to a Strong and Lasting Marriage. Rob assures couples the joy, fun, and love they hope for is not wishful romantic thinking. It's got plan for marriage. It's also within reach for every couple willing to do work needed to center their relationship on Jesus intentionally. And we went right into the break talking about that. We share that if you put Christ as the center of your relationship, how all of those struggles 
even though you'll have them, they'll be Christ-centered and you'll be able to work through them, especially in raising a teenager. And, Rob, you were talking about going into Scripture, which is the wisdom literature, and, and I love that term. I have not heard that before. So uh, just share with us what you were talking uh, there on raising a teenager. Yeah, you know, it's, I think as parents, and I have uh, teenagers myself, so as parents were focusing on Scripture governing our thoughts, and then we're also recognizing that the Bible includes a large section of wisdom literature for the purpose of helping us understand what skillful living looks like. And so my wife and I in that situation then are asking ourselves, what are our goals? What are we trying to accomplish with our teenager? And then we're working on solutions on how to reach those goals. And so sometimes parents get focused on um, you know, a little behavior issue here, a little behavior issue there without really thinking about it in the big picture. And I'm just encouraging them to take a step back, look at what Scripture has to say, hold true to that, and then also understand what are the real goals that we have here. And if we have goals that, again, are helping our teens to live for Christ, then we're asking ourselves, how do we bring about that mechanism? Hmm. Well, I, I have another question for you that we, it just involves the, the younger generation. Um, as you see, as you're counseling with the younger generation, do you find that there seems to be more issues in their marriage than with the older generation? And when I say younger generation, I'm, I'm talking about the millennials that are, that are coming in because they have so many choices. And it, I just, it seems as though they're waiting longer and longer in their years to get married um, because there are so many choices. And then I wonder when they do get married, do they think, oh, really, I chose you and I had so many choices out there? Are you are you experiencing that, or is that just something that I, I'm seeing in just our neck of the woods? Well, I think on, on the one hand, uh, it is true that uh, millennials have a little more choices. We have a lot of opportunities today that maybe we didn't have 50 years ago. But on the other hand, um, people are still people, and the Word is still the Word, and it's been that way for a long time. And so the struggles that people have are often still rooted in the same kinds of issues. I think some of the younger generation have grown up with uh, more and more of them facing uh, parents who didn't get along so well, and they have experienced the consequences of that, and so they are a little bit gun-shy about that commitment because they know what it meant for them. I think, on the other hand, uh, when it comes to the older generation, we're hearing more and more about gray marriage or gray divorce, which is really the idea that those who've been married for 20 or 25 years are getting divorced. Uh, okay. They've come to the conclusion that they're annoyed with each other, but they wanted to stay together to raise their kids. So I think on the, the one hand, the answer is yes, and then on the other hand, the answer is no. That is very interesting you say that because I do see a lot – I have experienced even personally in my own um, world of, of friends and extended family where they have stayed together for the sake of the kids. And when the kids um, <clears throat> even get married, then you see, you know, the parents going, okay, it's time now to go our separate ways. And even the effects of that, you would think, okay, you know, even divorce doesn't really affect when they're older as much as when they're younger. And yet the effects are still there. It still complicates things within the family. Um, you know, talking about the millenniums and just kind of the, you know, a new way of looking at life. And 
I, you see a lot the institution of marriage kind of coming under attack. Like, you know, why is this really significant anymore? I, I'm seeing a lot of failures. Is it still relevant? Um, how do you how do you convince and what does a conversation look like with couples to still really instill in them that marriage is still one of God's greatest institutions that he ordained? How do you address that in context of our culture? I think the first thing that I want to do is I want to admit the realities that that person is, is seeing and is experiencing. In other words, I don't want to brush that off as insignificant, uh, especially those who have tasted firsthand the consequences of uh, marital difficulty. But on the other hand, what I want to say is I want to say, well, first of all, um, we don't make all our decisions based on culture. We make them based on the word. And so I want to come back and I want to say, yeah, I understand there's been a lot of bad examples and maybe even some bad experiences, but ultimately we don't do what we do by watching other people. We do what we do because we realize that that's what God's Word encourages us to do. And so we focus our attention on Scripture and on the Lord and less on our culture and our experiences. And then the second thing is, just because someone had a bad experience or just because someone saw a bad experience doesn't mean that that's the only experience that exists. And um, I think it's helpful to remind them that, yeah, it may be true that you've experienced or seen some really bad things, but there's also some really wonderful things, too, that you could look at if you were just looking for them. And I'd be happy to talk with you about them as well as connect you with others who have enjoyed a wonderful marriage for 40, 50. We even have a family in our church that celebrated their 70th wedding anniversary. Wow. Wow. You're right. And it's what you're looking at, you know, and who you're looking at. And, um, you know, we can't let culture dictate, but culture is so much a part of our world with so many people, and that's where they take their cues. So it's it really is refocusing and to going, okay, let's go to, you know, biblical truth and what God's truth says. Um, with, okay, here's a question. So if a couple has been dating for a while and, you know, it's like, how do you know when the moment going, okay, this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. You know, I'm, I really am in love. I just remember, I remember when I was dating my husband and I never having a conversation with a friend going, how do you know this is like the love that I want to, I think like, I feel the love and I think I'm really in love with him. But how do you know? Cause this is like the rest of my life. That's kind of like a long time. And so getting to that point to go, okay, I really think this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. What are some of the top things that um, people should really consider before they actually, you know, make that commitment buy the rings, send out the, you know, the invitations, what are the top three things you would suggest that they consider? Well, I'm glad they're just asking the question. And uh, a couple of things, responses to it is, uh, first, does the person that I'm dating have a growing relationship with Christ? Uh, not just are they a believer, but are they a growing believer? And I want to encourage them to look for someone who is maturing in Christ, even now. And then secondly, do they actually believe that they could accomplish more by being married for the cause of Christ than they could as singles? God has a very important place for singles and a very important mission and task for them to do. But for those of us who think that it is the will of God for us to be married, then are we convinced that joining together is actually going to help us accomplish the things for the Lord that He wants us to do? Um, I didn't come from a ministry home, but as I began to feel the call of the God in my own life, I mean, I recognized I needed to have a, uh, a woman who was going to be okay with uh, ministry, 
And so if I had married somebody who wasn't okay with that, that would have been a big, significant hit and change to our lives. And then the third one is, am I really ready to serve another person more than I've served anyone else in my life? Um, There are no guarantees in marriage, and sometimes there's things that we have to face that we did not plan for. But regardless, when I choose to take the commitment of being a husband or being a wife, I am choosing to serve someone else and uh, to serve them in very, very significant ways. I think that third one is really a significant one. Am I ready to serve another person? Because that's that's the one that can really trip you up because that's the reality of it. That's the practical day-to-day part of it. It's like, and is this this person that I can do that I can do that with, you know, with, with kind of that joy in my heart that we talk about. And I think that's something to really consider and really go, this is what that means. If I, if I say I do, this is what I'm saying yes to. Um, well, we only have like three minutes before um, we have to take our next break. And so, I, again, Patty and I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join our show and to share your insights, which is very significant for couples, whether you, you know, thinking about, getting married, whether you're newlywed or whether you've been married like 70 years, like you've talked about a couple, you know. So in the last few minutes, um, tying the knot is your book. Um, if you had to give just one piece of advice to engaged couples or to newlyweds or to those that have been married, you know, for quite a while, what is it that you want them to know? And what are some of the takeaways you want people to know from this book? And then I'm assuming we can get this book on Amazon. So it's tying the knot. So let us kind of share with us a little bit before we, we go into our commercial break. Well, I would say enjoy every minute of your marriage. You know, God gave it as a blessing uh, for the here and now. And every minute that we spend feuding is a minute of blessing that we're missing. And uh, I'll never forget one of my professors was going through uh, a very significant passage of Scripture. And he just reminded us that, hey, marriage is for now. It's a blessing for for the here and now. And in heaven, we're going to be spending all of our time just focused on Christ. And we don't know how all of the personal relationships are going to be, but we do know this, that there's no marriage in heaven. And so if he designed it for now, enjoy every single moment of it. Hmm. That, and that that's a good, those are good words of wisdom. So, okay, so... Love that. I think that so many times we get caught up in in like outlining what a marriage should look like, and you you do. I even I know that we are serving each other. I've been married for I don't know twenty seven years, and I it, I don't look at it as serving. I look at it as I have a blast with my husband, and I want to do things that that please him. And I know Lisa, you're mocking that because you think I have a pie in the sky. <laughs> I am not saying a word. I'm listening. I just want to leave on that note of marriage is a blast. And when you wake up going, I am so excited and so grateful that God has given me this person. It's exciting. Well, and it does. I agree wholeheartedly. And it does change the perspective. And it goes back to reframing. How do you see your marriage and how do you see your spouse? And we have a choice in how we do that. Well, thank you, Dr. Green, again, for just joining our show and being with us um, and just sharing this. And so we highly recommend tying the knot. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back.
This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend it Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. Knee and hip injuries become more common as we age. It's important that you rest injured joints while they heal. But that doesn't mean that you have to give up exercise completely when you're healing from an injury. Keep doing your upper body weight workout. Sitting on an exercise ball while you do your upper body weight exercises and stretches is a good idea. Swimming and gentle yoga are also beneficial alternatives while you're healing from an injury. Floor exercises that include core work, crunches, and leg lifts work well. Harvard Medical School recommends that you combine these exercises to create a routine lasting 30 minutes or longer. By keeping up your exercise while you're healing an injury, you will stay in shape and feel much better so that when the recovery is complete, you can go back to your regular workout. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Joining us now is Isla Taylor, who leads and serves with other church planners' wives in the ministry of Bloom. And Bloom provides inspiration, encouragement, and resources for planners' spouses so they can provide the same to their families, staff, and churches. Bloom is also under the umbrella of Stadia, which transforms lives and communities through church planning and plants, churches that intentionally care for children. And I love their motto, they won't stop until every child has a church. Well, Isla and her husband, Chris, planted Launch Point Community Church in Ontario, California, two years ago, and they have two beautiful sons that they adopted via foster care. Their family enjoys different races in one family, and she finds life has been greatly enriched due to the diversity in their home. Isla says, because I have nothing to do with it, I am unbiased when they are, when she says they are the cutest kids ever. as the director of the children's ministry at Launch Point and obviously um, loves, loves, loves kids. And in her free time, she likes to read, which I love because I'm an avid reader and <laughs> the same favorite author, which is Francine Rivers. And I have to tell you, Isla, before mm-hmm. you do the show, that I'm really bummed because she hasn't been writing as often. And I know. I told her for that because... I keep waiting for her next book, and um, they're just not, she's not pumping him out, so we need no. to get, so. Well, welcome, 
Isla. How are you today? I'm great. It's rainy here in Southern California, so it's I'm cozy, have my coffee. It's nice. <laughs> Change of pace for us. <laughs> well, we wish your rain would come over our direction because it's been warm here in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, it was 85 on Tuesday, so <laughs> oh, wow. we have the so, Isla, do you have do you put fufu cream in your coffee, or do you just drink it boring? Uh, I'm trying to be boring, just because I'm trying to be. We're doing a weight loss challenge, <laughs> so I try not uh, to add so much yeah. sugar right now. So, ah, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> okay, so you are going boring. That's not fun. Yeah. And then my next question: Did you read Francine Rivers' latest book? Not the most recent. No, I'm behind. Oh, okay. okay. So, yeah, we, we won't go there. So, okay. Have, I, um, think Patty, I think Patty may be judging you right now. I'm not sure. Okay. But that's <laughs> I'm okay. I'm not a true fan. <laughs> well, I got, I got to tell you a funny story because several years ago, I mean, I, I, I love to read, but I had not read Francine Rivers, and this was probably 10 years ago or so. And um, Patty always told me about Francine Rivers, and she loved, loved, loved her. And so I was at this book conference somewhere. And it was with all these authors and, you know, you could, you were meeting them and talking to them, getting signed copies. And then I look over and there's Francine Rivers. And I'm like, and she didn't really mean much to me because I hadn't read her books, but I knew Patty loved her. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to be a really good friend and I'm going to go get an autograph book for her, um, which I did. And so I talked to her and then throughout the day I would just be mingling and she would walk right by me with her daughter and, and we'd be talking. And so I remember, you know, sending to Patty going, I'm, I'm standing right now two feet from Francine Rivers. I got a book for you. And, I'll, and I'm just, it's just like, you know, I'm very casual. And Patty's over there going, no way. Tell her this. Do this. She's giving me all these commands. Which, and I'm like, okay, I, I don't know her that well. We have not, you know, really connected. We're not, you know, intimate friends yet. But I will pass on your regards. But anyway, she was giving me like, she was lighting up and going crazy. And then later I read a lot of her books and I'm like, now I know why she was so excited about her. But, you know, when you don't know somebody, you're like, oh, yeah, that's Francine Rivers. So, anyway, that's my story of Francine Rivers. And now I would approach her very differently. So, anyway, I, I share with you guys. But we digress. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it is, it is so amazing to learn so much from authors because they really um, – Authors yes. have been some of my greatest mentors mm -hmm. and in the books and, and learning from them because, you know, and I know with Bloom – um, such an amazing group of, of ladies you guys get yes. together as pastors wise, but it, you guys do leadership development. You talk, you know, you have these conferences, you have times to get mm -hmm. together and where you guys really are encouraging each other and encouraging each other's in your leadership so that you can really be effective wherever you are all over the country. And that is really significant. So you guys, you, you have your, you know, face-to-face -face mentors, but like books then too can mm -hmm. be very significant. Um, so as we go into just talking, you know, we've been talking today about relationships and, and um, you know, just, you know, we're talking earlier about, are, do you fight or do you flight, you know, tendency mm -hmm. and Patty and I were sharing our things. So you love kids and, you know, have stepped into this world of foster care, which led to adoption, um, which hits my, you know, personally, I've shared several times on the radio because um, we have a grandson that has been adopted and just absolutely adore that little guy. And um, so it is a I have a special place for people that, you know, that lean into this mm -hmm. because um, you're, you're heroes. So it yeah. is messy and it's about relationships. Yeah. Can, so can you just, you know, kind of explain just what you have learned even about kids and life? And this is a very open-ended, a huge question, but 
just to the relationships of, of being in this journey. Yeah. Um, it's, it's challenged me to be a better person all the way around. Uh, my boys are seven now and, um, we've had them since. So Jonathan, my oldest, we got him when he was 11 days old, but he wasn't adopted until he was two and a half years old. And then Derek was, um, we got him when he was one day old and he was, uh, in California, we call it a safe surrender, which is basically a mother can surrender a child. No questions asked, um, at a hospital, fire station, police department, just to avoid the terrible things that can happen with babies. Um, and so he was adopted within seven months. Um, so we had two very different adoption stories, um, through foster care. Um, I feel like, uh, Prayer was such a big help, um, and God really guided a lot of that stuff. We had the best social worker. Um, we had a big support network. As you go through 55 hours of parenting classes, you meet other adoptive parents and foster parents and, and connect and can find somebody who has walked a mile in your shoes and will understand the emotions and the, the you know, ins and outs of it all. Um, and so we've built lifelong friendships with total strangers over the adoption topic. And, um, it's, it's just been really, really great. We are to the point now where my kids are old enough to understand that they are adopted and what that means. Um, we haven't, like we celebrate adoption day. We have little scrapbooks that tell their story. We have an open adoption relationship with Jonathan's birth mom and her whole family. Um, and we don't know anything about Derek's family because that was anonymous. And so Derek has been asking a lot of questions and I can't give him the answers. So it's been, um, an interesting road, basically the last month, um, maybe two months, but it started one night where he was crying for her. He just wants to know her, wants to know if she's okay. He asks me a lot if she's alive and things. So, uh, it's kind of heart wrenching right now. Yeah. And, um, like last night we were sitting at Chili's having dinner. It was a great, you know, just the four of us, um, we're laughing and everything. And Jonathan pipes up. Why, why did Cassie put me in this family? I would have been great in her family too. And I'm like, uh, yes, of course you would be great in anywhere you are. You're great in school. You're great. You're going to be great with your future family. Um, like when you're a grown up and you have a wife and kids and stuff. Um, but to hear him feel that, you know, like he's asking why and mm. feeling like he would have been good. So I just, I worry so much and I pray so hard that they understand we're all adopted by God and that it's a beautiful thing. Um, so I'm, I'm trudging new waters right now <laughs> with how to answer these little boys and their questions and frame it in a positive way so that they don't feel lacking in any way. Well, those are, those are tough conversations and, you know, we don't always have the right answer, which we always are wanting. I want to give the right answer. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it goes back to identity for all of us. Yes. Uh, you know, what is my identity? Wh who am I? And I think we, we all are searching for that in mm -hmm. some way, whether we're adopted or not is like, who really am I in all of this? Um, I want to ask you a question. Did yeah. you work with, with kids? So you all mm -hmm. you know, obviously have a huge heart for kids. Did your 
did your passion for kids lead you into this journey of fostering and adopting or did the the fostering and adopting lead, you know influence yeah. you working with kids because i think we we all have passions and we will go down a certain trail and then sometimes those passions lead us to specific actions like okay yeah. as a result of this i need to do this or sometimes we're doing this and it leads us to going I think I've just discovered my passion. Mm -hmm. I, you know, my degree, my bachelor's degree is in early childhood education. So I've always, you know, loved kids and, and wanted to do that. Um, but I don't, I think it's definitely been heightened, um, understanding foster care, meeting real kids in foster care, real families who walk this road. And it just makes me, wish that there was something more I could do. You know, the system is flawed. Of course, any human system mm -hmm. <laughs> is going to have its imperfections, you know? Um, but I like the newscast the other day was talking about El Nino. And so I turned it up because we're supposed to be getting something. <laughs> and uh, they're talking about how in Southern Africa, it's caused a major drought and all of these children are starving. And I'm, crying and thinking, Chris, what can we do? What can we do to get food to mm -hmm. Southern Africa? Um, so I think God has kind of set it on fire where I, anytime anything's about kids, I'm, I'm crying. I want to do something. <laughs> I, uh, right. I'm a little overamped about it. I think sometimes well, so you have a bias for, for children, which, yeah. you know, as you read really is the heart of Jesus. You know, he just called the little children unto him. He mm -hmm. really he gave them dignity. He valued them. And, you know, we are, we are called to live, you know, and see, you know, the kingdom like little children and come mm -hmm. into it like little children. So I think it's really significant even to understand that. But I got to tell you, true confession before we take a quick break is when my kids were younger um, and, you know, I mentioned me remember like, like preschool and kindergarten at, at church, you would have to, you know, every parent would have to serve their time, you know, um, and yeah. help in the classroom, you know, whether it was once a month or once a quarter. And I just remember whenever it was my time, I was just like, oh, you know, because kids are not, I love kids, but like in the classroom. And I just remember looking at the clock. This does not put me in a good light and thinking, <laughs> wow, 45 minutes has gone by to discover it been like 10. And so I discovered, you know, Children's ministry was not my passion and not my purpose, though so I love little kids. And now that I'm a grandmother, I absolutely adore them. So on that note, we're going to take a quick yes. break. <laughs> This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. 
It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Most of us want to exercise, but sometimes motivation is a problem. It can be difficult to get started or to keep going. Cooper Aerobics Center in Dallas offers five tips to stay motivated in your exercise. Number one is make fitness a priority. Make it a habit and put it on the top of your priority list. Number two is set goals. Tasks are almost always easier to accomplish when there's something to look forward to in the end. Number three is make a specific plan. Get your calendar and start planning your exercise routine. Number four is grab a friend. Working out with a friend can really help with motivation and accountability. And number five is find a professional fitness trainer and see your fitness goals become a reality. I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Now we have Isla Taylor, who leads and serves with other church planners' wives in the ministry of Bloom, and Bloom provides inspiration, encouragement, and resources for planners' spouses so they can provide the same to their families, staff, and churches. And Isla, we we just went into a commercial break with uh, Lisa sharing her heart on her love for children, especially when. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I have to ask you, have you read Bob Goff's book, uh, Love Does? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. It, it's, just, it's a real thin book that you can, you know, you can read while you're waiting in the doctor's office. It's a great book because I, I know you're reading. Um, but he talks about when you mentioned, you know, just hearing what's going on in Africa and you, God has just laid that on your heart that, you, you know, you're weeping for these kids. And um, he has a chapter in there where he talks about being in Uganda and seeing these kids that are in the prisons. And they'll be put in the prison just because someone accused them of something simple. And mm-hmm. it might be a neighbor that's irritated at that child. And once the accusation has taken place, they will come and get them. They'll put them in the jail cell. And they'll be there for years because they don't even have gas to bring them from the jail cell to the court. And then they don't have anyone representing them. So Bob Goff is an attorney, and he will go and bring these children out of the jail cells, bring them to court, represent them, so he can bring them, you know, literally drive them to their home to be with their families. And when you see and you, God has laid that on your heart, and then you experience that and you can start praying for it, I'm always blown away just how one person will make a difference by going, you know, there we go, I can do that. And to hear that in your heart and to hear what you have done in the um, foster care. And uh, I know Lisa and I have talked about that in our church is so strongly behind and supporting people getting involved in the foster care system, because I don't know what it is in California, but here in Arizona, we have like 17,000 in the foster care program. And like you said, um, it's definitely far from a perfect program and uh, it can it can break your heart. But I wanted to ask you earlier, we were talking about marriage. Mm-hmm. And how has 
um, just working and being involved in the foster care, how has that been on your marriage? Not to get private or anything. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa, I, Lisa just went, whoa. <laughs> well, um, my husband, I feel like, has the a spiritual gift of faith, and I don't. <laughs> and so I think uh, it's been very wonderful to have him by my side um, because he just trusts and believes and fights forward because um, it was it was difficult. Um, you know, uh, Jonathan, when he was first placed with us, at first I was like, okay, I have to look at this like I'm a babysitter, you know, but you just, you spend any more than a day with a little kid and you're in love with them. And so we'd have to go to the court every month and they would tell us to have him packed up and ready because the judge at any point could say, you can go back to the bio family. Well, that was heart wrenching to me. And, um, long story short, you know, we were in that, you know, visitations every week for, and, and, um, going to court every month for two and a half years. And that was a roller coaster ride. And, um, to have him, Chris being so faithful and just saying, we need to pray, we need to pray. And we prayed first that God would do what's best for Jonathan, whether that would be us or, going back to bio family, we had to be choosing his best. Second, we prayed that, that his birth mom, Cassie would get better, um, that she would be able to overcome this history that she had had. And, um, and second, we just prayed that God would help us survive (laughs) the process. Mm -hmm. Um, I tell everybody that I felt like a caged mama bear. If they would have just let me out, I would have ripped their heads off. <laughs> but, um, but I was in the cage, so I couldn't do anything. But I wanted to say to the lawyers, just give me the paper or I'll file it. Or to the social workers, well, you don't have time. Give it to me. I'll do it. Or, um, you know, all those red tape issues. I just thought I could take care of it so much quicker. <laughs> if they would have just... I have to... I have to interrupt you right there because um, that was another thing that I love Bob Goff. He actually took the door off of one of the jail cells <laughs> and exactly what you're saying. He got so frustrated and the, the guy, the warden was coming back to him going, I need my door back. I can't keep the kids in here. And he was like, sue me, sue me, you know, <laughs> like take me to court. And that's exactly, you know, what you do when you get so frustrated, it's like, I can do it. I can go, you know, cut the red tape and, and file this. So yeah. anyway, right there. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I got to read this book. <laughs> we're, we're back to filing. Tell us yeah. about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, so, you know, it was, it was just, it was emotional roller coaster, everything, sadness, um, anger, uh, terrified of what would happen if he had to go back. Um, and so for our marriage, uh, it was good. We, we were involved in a small group and they prayed for us and, and kind of let me vent every single week. And, um, to me, it was having the community and having him that really saved us, um, through that time. Um, and we were good friends all the way through college and I tell them all the time, it's a good thing I like you (laughs) Uh, because that sees you through the, the dark times, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I, 
it's, it is tough on a marriage. And, um, we, we ended up adopting because of infertility. That road was interesting (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that can really take a toll on your marriage. Um, but, uh, I don't know, like just the other day, Chris looked at me and he was like, we need to find something we like to watch together. Cause I'm all like Downton Abbey and yeah. <laughs> he, <laughs> he was like, I don't know what this are watching. I don't like it. So, um, he was like, I don't want to get someday to where we have completely different interests and in everything. And we don't, we can't relate to each other. So he's like, so let's go find something we like together. Um, so I, I'm grateful that he's, has enough wisdom to see that in advance and kind of do the, the work ahead of time to save when, (laughs) when the road's really rough. Well, and that is, that is really important because it's, you can get so caught up in the busyness and the demands of life that are just screaming at your attention Mm -hmm. that you, you can lose yourself and lose your, yourself as a couple. And so, you know, you have to be so intentional with that is, you know, how do you be, my husband and I always said, you know, you got to be independent, but you got to be interdependent. Yeah. And, you know, what does that look like? And finding those places where you connect, because I know, like, even with my husband and I, um, we are very opposite, but it's, that's what is amazing about it, because mm-hmm. it brings kind of that, um, that interest, you know, into the marriage. And because and, and we always say, okay, I want to be interested and interesting. And, you know, how do you do that? And, you know, even looking what you guys are doing, you know, when you find a passion or find something that you guys are both uh, you know, engaged in, which, you know, God brought both of your hearts together in this journey of foster care, which mm-hmm. is pretty amazing mm-hmm. because a lot of people couldn't even do that. Um, yeah. You know, when you're following a passion, it's always messy and it's always inconvenient um, and, you know, and challenges. And so it is like you talk about relationships. It is. How do you navigate through that without losing yeah. yourself? Yeah. And losing that. But I think a huge part of it is being aware of the potential of that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, we could, you know, like your husband saying, hey, we could lose ourselves here. I don't want to be, you know, in 20 years looking at you going, who are you and who am I? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you're aware of that, it does make you more conscious. Okay, we got we to gotta find some things strategically. And especially when you're raising little kids. Yes. Wow, that is demanding. And you're, yes. you're sleep deprived, you're mm-hmm. exhausted. And then you both are, you know, serving in ministry in the church, which, as we know, is no small task to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It definitely can feel something in the church. I I love how Jesus's model um, where he sent the disciples out in twos. And it's exactly what you're talking about. I love just even with your husband. It's so cool when you can do ministry and do life with someone that, like you said, Lisa, you're completely opposite, but you're competing each other. And Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm, um, reading a book right now and it's the way of the seals and just talking about the, the Navy seal, how they have to do everything. It's not a me, it's a we, which of course in the church we're, we're big on that on teams, but then we get caught up sometimes. And if I do it, I can go faster and I don't need other people because I could just get it done. And right. um, just looking at how the Navy seals, I, I found it interesting. They can't even walk to the mess hall by themselves. They have to be with a buddy because their whole system is about depending on somebody else. And they literally have to go get sand time, which is laying in the freezing cold ocean in the sand, you know, chasing them, et cetera, if they're found doing anything by themselves. And I thought, wow, that we can use that in the mm-hmm. church. 
you're really having to depend on each other rather than, and, you know, Lisa and I talk about that all the time. You don't get as burned out when you have that person that you're able to process things with and kind of run things by. And it's the ultimate trust when yeah. you're with that, uh, that other person. So, you know, just so for our listeners, what's something, Isla, that you can um, just challenge them in um, just, you know, either going through foster care or in their marriage? I mean, just what has God laid on your heart to, to share? You know, um, it really is about focusing on, on God. Um, we, we, at least I'm going to speak for myself. I feel like I can get lost in, in processes or philosophy at times. And, um, I start to get overwhelmed at the task at hand. Um, but if I just strip it all away and, and pray and ask God and rest in that, then things work out, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so like you were saying, uh, relationship that that concept of it's not me it's we i really think if we have a we relationship with god and we have our our circle of people to speak into our life um whether it, you know it's your marriage and it's your church family uh for us other adoptive parents too who've walked a mile in our shoes um that is what props me up and helps me keep going when the task seems too arduous. Well, um, Isla, we just want to thank you for joining our show. We have got to, we've got to go, but it's okay. been, thank you for sharing your heart and yes. we'll talk Love to you next you time. Thank have a great you. day. You too. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show 